Oh my goodness, Bo. You're gonna make me edit the shit out of this. Wilding out. Oh my god. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're Bo. Bo, you're Bo, Bo, Bo just has opinions on this. Yeah, I gotta just. Lay down. Lay down. Bo's like, don't you dare bring Indianapolis yeah, yeah, in the Seminole Wind yeah, discussion. Seriously. You should just start, you start all over with this. The whole podcast, so you start back <laughs> over. This is Rachel. Hey, this is Spencer. And this is Neon Boots, the 90s country music podcast. And today our special guest is Lee Baines. Welcome, Lee. Thanks. Good to be here. Happy <laughs> to have you. Lee's in town for a show at the Pinhook tonight, so sorry to all of you listeners that you're going to miss it. <laughs> but you can catch him on tour some other time. Well, we warned you on Instagram. I did that you're fucking up if you miss it, so don't, <laughs> you shouldn't have fucked up already. You should listen to us. <laughs> Hopefully this isn't a repentance listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll be sorry. You'll be sorry. <laughs> so Lee plays in a band called Glory Fires, and we've mentioned him before in at least the first episode of this season we were talking about people we wanted to have on. So check the top one off my list. Who was yours, Rachel? John Darnell. We're not there yet. Okay, so... And he's, he's local these days, he is. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm yeah. doing... Once again, the the white guy is doing all the work and getting half the credit for it, like usual. You know. Sorry, I had a baby. <laughs> you know, just accomplishing everything. Go right ahead with that. <clears throat> that was sarcasm, just yeah, in case. Just in case. Sarcasm just, alert. Yeah, just so we don't get any complaints. <laughs> sarcasm font. Well, so Lee, you're a bona fide Southerner. Grew up in nope. Alabama. Yes. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your relationship to country and 90s country. Well, yeah, growing up in Birmingham in the I mean, I was born in, at the tail end of 84. Mm-hmm. So country music was definitely around a lot. But in my, like, I didn't grow up in what I would call like a country music family necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like, my mom didn't really listen to much music at all. And my dad... He was definitely more like a rock and roll kind mm-hmm. of guy and like soul music and stuff. But he did listen to the country that he listened to was, I guess, more of like your outlaw country kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Like he listened to definitely like Charlie Daniels and Willie Nelson and, you know, Hank Jr. and stuff yeah. like that. But he was super into like Southern rock. That mm-hmm. was like his main kind of deal, you know. Yeah. So he didn't even really consider that stuff to be country necessarily. It's like country adjacent. It's country adjacent, right. So he was real into, you know, Skinner and Marshall Tucker and Black Oak Arkansas and Allman Brothers and stuff like that. So a lot of the country music that I heard was more just like from friends, Mm -hmm. families, or just like being at the pool or whatever, stuff like that, you know. And the only country band that I really remember being super like omnipresent was the band Alabama. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like in that everybody listened to Alabama. Like that was You're in fucking Alabama. Exactly. That was the soundtrack, <laughs> you know. And you know, like I, I guess, you know, also like from you know, my grandparents liked, you know, Hank Senior mm-hmm. and Charlie Pride mm-hmm. and stuff like you know, like kind of your old more old time kind yeah. of stuff. But the wholesome country that that was their yeah. thing. They and that's why they liked Alabama too because it was like very wholesome, right? Yeah, because you know? yeah. they were mostly like church people, mm-hmm. you know, like church music. That was their main thing. So they weren't into the more like raunchy 
you know, cheating and drinking <laughs> right. music. But then when like Alabama dropped Angels Among Us, that was probably like right, right up their alley. <laughs> oh yeah, right. uh, big time. Well, so much of so many of Alabama's songs are about like pride and being where you're from, yes. and again with them being from Alabama, I'm sure that that was a tight connection. Totally, yeah. And they were Alabama's from Fort Payne, where my grandmama's first cousins live and she would always go visit them growing up. That's the sock capital of the world. That's right. Former, <laughs> former sock former capital. Sock oh, capital of the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've, got talk, s- we've talked about that one before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've got a sad family story about that, which oh, like yeah. our, uh, I guess it was my grandmama's uncle had like a general store in Fort Payne. Uh-huh. And he would tell the story about, this is where I, it was kind of funny. Like that was one of my early critiques of capitalism that they never named in that way, but it was like they had a general store and everything was chill. And then the big grocery store chains moved mm-hmm. to town. They had to switch to be a hardware store. And then Walmart came to town oh, and yeah. then they had to, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, Just right. Like eventually they got ran out of business by Walmart and then Walmart selling socks made in sweatshops. Fort yeah. Payne quit being the sock capital of the world. Yeah. And but yeah, but Alabama was like just that good, like wholesome kind of tearjerker mm-hmm. family, you know, love your family and your yeah. hometown yeah. and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But yeah, like I was talking to Kim earlier at the Pinhook about 90s country. It was, we were just talking about the pocket. They were saying that they did Katie Lang and everything. And we were listening to the song I, mm-hmm. I picked, Seminole Win, <laughs> and talking about how like Kim was like, I don't know, like 90s country was just good shit, you know? And I was like, yeah, but... I think what's weird is like how nostalgia kind of works in memory because now I sit here and think like, man, there was so much good country music in the 90s. But like when you just put on country radio in the 90s, there was a lot of bullshit. Right, right. That that my memories just filtered out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like sometimes when I like me and my wife had this one friend who likes like the really like what I would consider bad nineties country. Give us and an she'll example. Just like, like John Michael Montgomery, oh. like, like the sappy, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like not the auction song. The Grundy County auction. That's but, the best right. One. That one's good. Like, but I'm I swear. Saying, and, uh, what was the other one we did? That all for one also did. Yeah. Both of them. I can't remember yeah. the other one right now. I just can't re- But it's like so much of that stuff was just so like, it was almost like Disney movie yeah. music. You know what I mean? Like yeah. sappy. Yeah. Like it didn't even sound country to me at the time and like I remember a lot of people saying that mm-hmm. in the 90s like country music isn't even country music anymore you know it's just all this like pop music this right. just whatever but you know the stuff that I cling to is the stuff that did sound you know like Alan Jackson right. and John Anderson and Reba and right, right. whatever but that's the stuff that stood out to me it was like those I guess kind of now or they called them at the time like the neo-traditional the neo-traditional right? yeah right. it's like Alan Jackson and yeah. Randy Travis and George Strait and stuff like that yeah do you remember liking that stuff at the time? Yeah, I did like that stuff. Okay. Yeah, like and Joe Diffie, I remember liking that. Oh yeah, and, and of course like Reba <laughs> and even Tim McGraw when he very first or Travis Tritt when they were mm-hmm. first starting. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Randy Travis, you know, I liked all that stuff. But it was funny because like you would listen to the radio and that would be a pretty small percentage of like what they would play. Right. And I feel like a lot of the other stuff was just kind of more like. Like, I don't, I can't even bring the songs to well, mind. Well, so, like, really we've good. talked about, what's your sappy-ass song that I hated? <laughs> uh, Clay Walker. Clay Hypnotize Walker, the Moon. Hypnotize right. the Moon. Like, that's just some cheesy adult rock sounding <laughs> totally. bullshit. Exactly. And I And I have talked a lot of crap about yeah. that. Yeah. I but, love it, but it's totally, if it came out today, like, who cares? But, like. It's the yeah. nostalgia piece yeah. that right. is 
And, and it's funny because, like, when you it. say Clay Walker, what I think is, if I can make a living out of love, which is yeah. a good song, which is a great song, he's got a great song. Come on, more <laughs> right. but 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 that's but it's like that was such a small portion of the right. hits. And same with Alabama. Like, I love Alabama, but it's like they had some real stinkers in there, like real. Well, and especially life. in the nineties, um, yeah, Alabama the 90s. went a little bit more contemporary light rock yeah. type of yeah. shit. It's like light rock. That's it. It's like yacht rock, but it's yeah. like bass boat rock. <laughs> pontoon <laughs> you know rock. I mean? Pontoon rock. That's it. That's better. Pontoon rock. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know. There's some good country songs about, or some bad country songs about pontoon boats. <laughs> You're like, hold on, let me backtrack. Let me, let me backtrack. <laughs> bad ones. Get them out. Yeah. So... You obviously loved Alabama. Why not choose an Alabama song for our episode? Is it because the stuff in the nineties exactly. was crappy? Yeah, it was. Like I was I was texting with Spencer about it. I was like, Man, like can I please just sneak in like Song of the South or mm-hmm. High Cotton? He's like, No, nope. eighty nine, man. I was like <laughs> Thank you, Spencer. Yeah, I'm just I'm just not making a pass the racial filter. I was looking for all the loopholes because right. I would love to talk about those. Yeah. But But they just Felt, and I think that's another thing. Like we have these friends that do a political podcast, the Trillbillies in East right. Kentucky. Oh yeah. And we were talking about country music one time and how like up through the eighties there was a little bit more of like explicit discussion of class and country mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. And by the time the nineties came around, that largely disappeared from like yeah. mainstream country music, which well, I think interesting. is interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but. You're right. But like none of, you know, because Alabama would talk a lot. You know, they had like 40 hour week, mm-hmm. you know, Song of the South. You know, like high cotton is high cotton. You know, mm-hmm. an expression that people of middle and upper class probably wouldn't know. Wouldn't know what it is. Yeah. Right. But yeah, there's that Randy Travis song, Better Class of Loser, that came out in 91. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty great in that song we talk about. I don't, I like, don't know that song. He's like, uh, people that buy their coffee beans already ground and don't pay their bills on home computers and stuff. So it's like, yeah. does, it, <laughs> does it really hold up super well, like the references? But right. it's great. It's like, oh, on them home computers. Right. Um, <laughs> But yeah, and then, uh, God, there's some other song, Jukebox with a Country Song. I want to say Doug Stone. And like, it's really rooted in class. And, yeah. you know, right. this like kind of bougie bar moves into like his hometown bar where yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Right. Then that was earlier 90s too. Well, we can take it back to uh, our second episode with BJ and Confederate Railroad and the, <laughs> what's the name of the song? Trashy Women. Yeah, Trashy yeah. Women, where he's talking about his parents wanted him to be high class and right. he ended up with a low class. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's my, one of my best friends. That's his like go-to karaoke. Yeah, that's Always a good one. Been, yeah. That's a good one. Well, so you want to actually talk about the song of the hour? <laughs> you chose John Anderson's Seminole Wind. Mm-hmm. You said it was like a real country song. Is there anything <laughs> else that kind of <laughs> attracted you to choosing that one? Well, I just love I love the song. I think it's one of the most beautiful songs sonically that I've ever heard, honestly. like, And from a songwriting perspective, it's really impressive musically because it's just one chord progression the yeah, entire time. Yeah. There's no variation. It's almost like uh, I'm trying to think of another. That's stuff I don't know anything about, too. Yeah. You're on your own there. <laughs> I mean, it's like often in songs, you know, like maybe the verse will have one chord progression. Right, right, right. And the right. chorus, it'll change, it'll go to like a different chord or like whatever. And this one's the exact same chords the entire time, which is almost like a really old folk music mm-hmm. thing, you know, like a lot of like Celtic folk songs yeah. and stuff like that have that type of just rolling. Right. Um, like a lot of old time songs, just these rolling chord structures mm-hmm. that don't vary. And that's a really difficult thing yeah, to do super well hard. as a songwriter. Yeah. yeah. 
And it, there's something very like haunting and like droning about the song. Which is appropriate for the lyrical content. Yes. So I think that the fact that it's the same chord structure, which is something I don't pick up on really, but it puts the focus obviously a lot more on the lyrics. And Mm -hmm. this is a storytelling song. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm not going to distract you with anything else other than just like paid into lyrics. Right. Right. And obviously this is like, you know, for him, just like, I'm going to tell the story. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, he wrote this song, which right. is, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, a lot of times the, you know, my favorite country songs, I look, and I'm like, ah, it's some, <laughs> like three dudes in a board, right, 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 yeah. that, which yeah. is always kind of crazy. But yeah, he wrote that song and it demonstrates like such a tie to place, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and he's from Florida and it's such a beautiful place song. And I just love that he uses place as a way to talk about all these different Topics. Yeah. You know, he talks about the environment. He talks about economics. He talks about the removal of indigenous people. He talks about, you know, environmental degradation mm-hmm. and all the, you know, just right, right. He, he's able to use a place to talk about all those things in a way that feels not even remotely like preachy or yeah. right. anything like that. It just feels very personal. Mm-hmm. And so. And I mean, there's a lot of that yeah. in your writing. Is that something you kind of knew going in like oh i want to do songs like this style like have you set out to that or is it like you realize a connection obviously you're not like oh i want to write songs exactly like seminal wind right 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 right. (laughs) like did that resonate with you kind of early on in songwriting yes i think like i've always been drawn to that and i think that's part of why i was drawn to alabama or maybe just growing up with Alabama made me drawn to those types of songs. I'm not sure. But right. They always had, um, particularly in those early years, a strong connection to place and like detail and personal detail, mm-hmm. like narrative in their songs that made it feel. Well, first of all, I related to their place because I wasn't. You I was from there. pretty close yeah. to right. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I've never set foot in the Everglades. Right. But right. I, I relate to the way that the singer is relating mm-hmm. to their place and right. to their story and the stories around them. And but he that. does such a good job of like painting the picture that you don't have to have ever gone to the Everglades, oh. I think, to understand and respect and value what he values in that, yes. in that place. That yes. Saying. Yeah. And I, and I love the way that, you know, again, like I think there's a tradition in country music that, that's still, it's never stopped, but I think it got kind of pulled out of mainstream country music mm-hmm. at some point in probably in the 90s, seems like, of talking about the political in a very personal way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's that, and, and this song is just kind of like, it masterfully does that, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, you know, where, you know, particularly back, when does it come out? 90. 92. Yeah. I mean, God, like 92 saying tree hugger was like, I mean, we heard that all the time. Right. right? right. Tree huggers one or whatever. And it's like, here you have this, you know, Florida, good old boy singing about environmental issues in a way that, you know, any good old boy that I grew up with would have related to. Right. Right. So, yeah, I just think it's pretty masterfully done to reframe a you know question or a, a topic in a way that would make people think about it very differently yeah. by making it very personal mm-hmm. you know yeah that I'm sorry I'm gonna interrupt you Spencer because that reminds <laughs> me so much of I just started listening to this new podcast about Dolly Parton mm-hmm. and in the first episode they talk about Dolly Parton being a feminist mm-hmm. and she's very anti 
the word feminist. Right. But what she actually is doing and what she supports is feminism. Right. So it kind of the same thing. Like yeah. you would not call John Anderson a tree hugger. Right. But he is focused on the environment and the importance of protecting it. Right. Yeah. yeah very well said. Yeah. And I think it's probably different, at least in country music. Like he's looking back kind of nostalgically mm-hmm. to an extent. I mean, he's not like happy about what happened, but there's so much romanticism of the past mm-hmm. in country music. Yeah. And, you know, think about Chattahoochee and think about uh, strawberry wine. It's just like all these, like, everything's like, you know, looking through rose colored glasses that things happen in the past. And here he's like critical about it, which, mm-hmm. you know, on y'all's last album was kind of a theme of you. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like looking back at growing up in a more critical way, I guess. I don't know, like kind of grappling with those things. Right. No, that's, yeah, that's so. Very well put. Yeah, you're right. Like, there's a strong tradition in country music of romanticizing the past and sort of this idyllic you right. know, past that mm-hmm. we've gotten away from and whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Like, in the song, he's talking about the past as a process of eroding mm-hmm. something good. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that man, yeah, you really don't see that. That's a great point. You really... But, but it's still, like, looking at the past. Yeah, right? Yeah, right. Because, like, that is intrinsic to country which is what we all love about it, right because right. it's honoring of tradition and it's an yeah. engagement with tradition but this song is a great example of like doing that in the sense that like this is very much a country song it's actually even hearkening back to like even pre country music you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. in this older folk tradition yeah. that, that built country music. so sonically and it's it's looking back in time focused on a place but it's doing it critically so yeah i mean that's something that i definitely aspire to do yeah with with my songwriting for yeah. sure do you want to listen to a little bit of it sure yeah i listen to So I wanted to talk about the lyrics a little bit, mostly because for me, this is a misheard lyric situation. Uh-huh. Do you know what I'm going to say? Nope. <laughs> I, don't I always thought that it was alligators in the dark. Oh, alligators in the gar. And the gar. Yeah. It was like wait, a fish wait, in the wait, dark. Wait, which they might not have up here. Um, well, let me tell you, gar are some terrifying they, they are scary yeah. looking. <laughs> they are in Alabama and Georgia for sure. Yeah, that's like a deep south thing, right? Yeah. I feel like it's all over. Yeah, they're like prehistoric looking. They're crazy fish. looking. I've definitely seen one like in an aquarium, mm-hmm. like maybe at the South Carolina Zoo Aquarium. <laughs> right. But I did not know what that was yeah, enough were, to be able to pull that out of the lyrics and not think that it was 
alligators in the dark, which I think makes <laughs> I mean, a lot cool of too. sense. Yeah, that's, that's, that's there too. They don't leave. They don't leave at night. Yeah. But I mean, I also remember like not knowing the river name and all of that stuff. Right. Just, just mumbling nonsense. And that's what I love about. That's part of what I love about the song is it's so particular to right. a place that right. like like I said I've never been to the Everglades but being in the deep south like we do have garfish and mm-hmm. like they are a pretty spooky critter you know yeah. and they're apparently like they haven't hardly evolved much at all since yeah. prehistoric times so they're one of the oldest species of fish yeah. uh, in North America so I don't know. So that adds to this sense mm-hmm. of like timelessness right, right. to yeah. the yeah. thing, you know. And then yeah, all the place names and like the you know indigenous names that he uses, mm-hmm. Micanopy, right, right, Okeechobee, and and then Osceola being like Osceola was a was born as a Muscogee Creek in Alabama, in present day Alabama. You know, he like the Seminole were a tribe that were created due to like colonization and mm-hmm. European mm-hmm. displacement of people so that like Osceola like a lot of other creeks went down and fled right the colonization into Florida. into Florida right yeah and that's kind of where they made their stand and the Seminole were the they you know say they're the only undefeated eastern tribe mm-hmm. you know that they were never completely defeated by the U.S. yeah and Osceola was a was a refugee from the upper creeks who moved down there and so like that's a really powerful story of like mm-hmm. resistance too which like we just got off this tour with Nana Grizzall and Theo and I were talking about how a lot of times when indigenous people are written about in songs in a way that's not like a caricature they're talked about as like dead and gone you know mm-hmm. what I mean and he's talking about the people that are still in Florida, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right, right. And like are present and are vocal and have never been defeated and are, are like a constant of people who are like constantly resisting yeah. invasion and right. erasure and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's a pretty powerful. Yeah. I think so too. And when you brought up the song as one you want to do, and I was like, oh shit, like I associate it a lot with. Indian Outlaw, which I shouldn't have done. Yeah. But I think a lot of the storytelling and specific references were lost on me as a kid because you don't have the lyrics you can look up. And right. with Indian Outlaw, it's using a lot of names of tribes. I think that's like the one educational thing about mm-hmm. that song because otherwise just like full of stereotypes and right. awful. And even like the tribes it mentions are from completely different parts of the world. Right, right, like, right. They right. wouldn't really be in the same place. Yeah, yeah. He's like Chippewa and Choctaw. And right, it's right. Like they're from thousands he, of miles. It's just ones that like sound that. good in the song. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But this, I think at the time, you know, I couldn't look up the lyrics on Google. I didn't have the album, so I didn't have like a lyric sheet. And I'm just like, I don't know what the hell any of these things are referencing. So like as a kid listening to this in 92, it didn't really like resonate at all mm. because a lot of the words didn't mean anything to me. I didn't know wow. the stories behind them, all that kind of stuff. So, like, for whatever reason, I lumped it in my head. This is still, you know, a first-person song. He talks about himself in some of this. But in the Tim McGraw song, he takes uh, on geez. that he is the Indian outlaw. Right. I'm like, whoa, that's, what are you, Not what are you cool. doing? I saw somebody cool. call it uh, lyrical red face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, because he yeah. is not 
and doesn't have any relation. And actually, he didn't write that. He didn't write it, but he true. decided to record it. So, um, you know. <laughs> shout out to Durham native John Loudermilk, who yes. was a co-writer, co-writer on that one. Is that J.D. Loudermilk? Uh-huh. No, who wrote Tobacco Road? Yeah, who wrote Tobacco no Road. No way. Was a, you, was you a co-writer co-write. for Indian Outlaw. No kidding. And then, you, you know what else is crazy about him? Is he, this is insane, he is first cousins with the Leuven brothers. Oh. Did not know that. I didn't Their know that Their real last name is Loudermilk, I mm-hmm. No, I didn't know that. But they thought, like, nobody's going to buy our records if we Buy somebody name named Loudermilk. Loudermilk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. And, and then Chuck and Gene Simmons was the other songwriter who... Co-write for yeah. Indian Outlaw. Yeah, but neither of those guys were Native American. Like, yeah. it right. seems very odd to me. Like, I think he was one of those guys that had, like, novelty songs back in the day. Like 50, 60, something like that. Mm-hmm. But it seems like a song that in the 50s or 60s they would have not thought twice about releasing. Oh, but gosh. then, like in the 90s, they're still doing it. That was yeah. out in, I think, 94. And it's kind of like, what the fuck well, were you thinking? Yeah. And Loudermilk apparently had this weird history. I was reading about this earlier with native populations and writing songs about it. He, like, made up some story that a Cherokee chief asked him to write a song <laughs> about their plight and the Trail of Tears. I mean, I'm reading this directly from Wikipedia at this point in time, but I've read this before, and it's like, come on, Mr. Loudermilk. Like, it's all, it's, it was bullshit. It was, it, it was like all a, bullshit, yeah, and, and he weird. was just like uh, cool. trying to be funny and... Again, like it wasn't, but right, right, right. It, they got an easier pass they on got it an back easier in the day. Pass on it back then, but so Indian Outlaw is not the first time or the only time that no kidding. Louder Milk was a douchebag about native populations. Wow. Yeah, but I mean, like John Anderson does a great job of telling the story of people that aren't like him mm-hmm. without like trying to take on a persona. So right. I think like that's just such a good job of telling the story and like amplifying that because. Not a whole lot of like Native American issues we're getting taught, you know, broadcast on 90s country radio. And, you know, part of what I read about this one, you know, the album he put on Seminole Wind was like his comeback album in the 90s. And this was the third single, and the label really didn't want to put out as a single, and they played it. And I think Seattle is a story. And they got like a standing ovation. It was like, see, look, this like resonates, which is really interesting to me that it did yes. like Seattle. But like that he kind of like, fought for this song. That's awesome. You know, it was really cool. Yeah, they were it's, worried it would be like, it was too regional. That right, 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 people right. From wow. Florida would be into it. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. But like you were saying earlier, like sonically, it's such a good song. Uh, and it tells such yeah. a great story that even if you're not from Florida, like you're going to enjoy it. Right. Well, Two North Carolina artists covered it. James Taylor, very bad version <laughs> that you not need to listen to about, listen. about 10 years ago. And then, I forgot to look at the year. A couple years ago, Lorraine Jordan, who has a bluegrass band, Lorraine Jordan and Carolina Road, did an album where she like, brought in folks to like mm-hmm. do kind of remakes of their songs and the more like a bluegrass version. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's... This song fits that really well because, like, there's already all that fiddle in there. And then, like, they add mandolin stuff, too, which not my favorite bluegrass band out there. But, like, this version is super good. And I kind of like his voice as, like, an even older John Anderson. Like, we've talked when we did uh, Straight to Kill Night. His voice is not my favorite. Um, It's very distinctive, but just, like, kind of like the... I don't know what the ebbs and flows. Like, I don't know what it's, way it's to like describe it. It's very, like, somebody once described it to me. I forget. I wish I could give credit to this person. It, I did not come up with this. 
But they said, yeah, the thing about John Anderson is he sings with a volume pedal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It's like his kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Which is, yeah, a lot of times I honestly find it kind of annoying too on yeah, some of his yeah. songs, but it fits with this one so it, right, it gives yeah. it like a keening kind of quality yeah. that works on this song. Yeah. And I can't really imagine someone else singing it. Well, like the James Taylor one is not good. Right. It's just like after like a song, I'm like, all right, that's that's enough of that. Yeah. But yeah. Do you? I wanted to ask when talking about kind of the representing other people. I mean, like in your songs, when you're kind of you know amplifying those other voices, other perspectives, something like, is it tricky to kind of walk that line of like, all right, I'm not in this group, but I want to like represent their perspective without overstepping yes yeah i mean thank you for even noticing that i try to do that but yeah man that's something that i really struggle with a lot and that i like think about a lot and meditate on is like how to you know to use like academic language to not to commit epistemic violence mm-hmm. not to like steal somebody's thunder mm-hmm. you know what i mean because i feel like a lot of songwriters that i admire in ways who try to talk about social or political or economic realities do kind of do that you know a lot of times i think the most famous songwriters in that vein do that a lot of times you know bruce springsteen or bob dylan or whatever you know they take on experience they claim experiences or perspectives that they don't have right and Mm -hmm. i think that can be well, first off, it's just, I feel like it's dishonest. But secondly, it, it can also be pretty dangerous mm-hmm. because it can lead people to draw conclusions that aren't founded in any sort of real experience. Yeah. And it can also serve to be like, well, you know, Bob Dylan wrote a song about being a coal miner. So why do we need to listen to this person who's actually a coal right, miner? Right, or right, like right. a you know, the yeah. daughter of a coal miner. So, you know, yeah, it is something that I think about a lot and like how to because anytime I represent somebody misrepresentation is present yeah you know what I mean like yeah. anytime I'm representing anybody there is an opportunity well not just an opportunity but there is some level of misrepresentation right. so I try to make myself be like very present in the lyrics mm-hmm. as, as sort of a disclaimer like this is how I am hearing it or right. receiving it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I think John Anderson in the song does a pretty good job of that. You know, there's still a little bit of that, like, like, like when he talks about, you know, I listened close and I heard the ghost of Osceola cry. You know, I like the line, but when I think about that line in particular, it's like, but you didn't. You know right, what I mean? Right, like, right, you right. didn't. Like, maybe Osceola wouldn't cry maybe Osceola would fucking rage you know what I mean maybe Osceola would be screaming and like organizing people you know what I'm saying so it's like there is still in this even though I do love the song and all that I think there are some choices that I as a songwriter wouldn't have made or Mm -hmm. that I think he was being a little presumptuous in making but but it's also not fucking Indian outlaw. So. <laughs> oh, exactly. And I mean, in the context of all, and I mean, you know, and, that, and that's the thing. I think everybody, when they first really listen to the lyrics of the song, because Kim's the same way, like when we were listening to it earlier, they were like, I kind of remember that song, but I don't really, I just, you know, same sort of deal. Right, like right. You were saying mm-hmm. it's just, I just remember the chorus and whatever. But like, as we were sitting there listening and they were listening 
to the words. Mm-hmm. Like, holy fuck. Like, wow, this is some powerful stuff. You yeah. know, just in the context of, you know, radio, right. country music, it's hitting on some pretty serious stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. so deeply personal in a way that, you know, it's like we don't really hear as much as I would like to. You know? Right. It's like even now, like we listen to mm-hmm. country radio and like when, when you get, or at least for me, like when I get hit with like a really personal song, it's pretty apparent. Like Miranda Lambert has a song of the house that built me. Yeah. And it's obvious she wrote that song. Right. Yeah. Like nobody else could have written right. that song the way that she sings it. And it just hits you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think this is just one of those songs where when anybody, when they just sit and listen to it, it resonates somewhere. Yeah. 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 Good pick. Thanks. So what you, have you rethought your, do you have an asterisk next to I just, John Anderson's song? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. Like it's not my favorite song. Other than swinging, I don't think I've ever ranked any John Anderson songs that highly. But yeah, like I, I like what he did, and you know, I think right, right, right. given especially like it was like a comeback record, it was like a bold choice mm-hmm. to write it and include. I mean, he wrote it a couple of years before and still pushed to include it and mm-hmm. push her to be a single. I mean, the reality is in the early nineties, even now, there's not Native American voices on country radio right you know and it sucks right. <laughs> like that would be ideal right you know right. like right. Uh, charlie lowry who we're going to have on soon ish like put her on the radio mm-hmm. like right. sing about her own experiences perspectives mm-hmm. but in the absence of that which is hard to overcome you know like at least he did that right. you know right. which is just like you know again kind of asterisk. at least he that at least there's this right but you know at least there's another the story, another story, as I say, another person's story right. in the radio, as opposed to like another sappy romantic song, like you were saying, that's like just going to be that's more, yeah, like yeah. another song that's, you know, doesn't really stick with you at all. Right. Well, I had mentioned earlier that Tanya Tucker has a new album out, and there's a song on that album called Seminole Wind Calling. And I just listened to it for the first time today, but in light of like your very deep discussion and comments about the story of place and being representative of voices in an appropriate way. Like I want to go back and listen to that song again. Cause I, I don't, I think that that song from what I could tell in a quick listen is very much about place mm-hmm. she talks about the black river and yeah, just more about, you know, I've been to Vegas, I've been to California, but nothing compares to this region of the world. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, and I said I was going to mention her because she's going to be playing in Durham on November 15th at our beloved Carolina Theater. So, Tight. I think we might try and check her out. Yeah. Man. Get some good 90s country I jams hope, in I hope our she blood. plays... Uh, I wish I'd have known better. The only man that turned my mama on. Yes. I don't know that. I don't know that one. But man, a little better to turn my mama on. Must have been a heck of a man, cause mama was a lady, don't you know? I don't know her catalog that well, and like that new album is awesome. And so I'm like, I'd need to stop sucking and go back and listen. Her seventies stuff is like. Unreal good. Yeah. yeah, really good. Too bad we're not a 70s country podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just it blows my mind that we were mm. looking up to see what she had out in the 90s and most of the stuff that we knew was from the 80s. And mm. just to think that she's still kicking ass with hot pink hair the last time I saw <laughs> a picture of her. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, even nowadays, it's just really cool. That is cool. Yeah. 
All right. So, uh, wrap up. Do you have anything coming up? I was going to say, speaking of kicking ass. Oh, what do you... <laughs> good transition, Spencer. Well, yeah. <laughs> what do you have coming up? Oh, you know what? I didn't think about this, but we're... <laughs> this is a pretty... I mean, I don't even know if y'all get it out in time, but we are playing in Florida. So uh-huh. We're going down in Gainesville. They have the fest, the fest every yeah. year. So we're going down and playing a few shows on the way cool. down. Uh, just shows in Florida, playing Tampa and or St. Pete and Orlando and Gainesville. So we'll be down in land of the Seminole. I was going to uh, say Seminole. You want to add that cover the- to your set? Is, that, is there enough to No, we, we, because we, we, it we wouldn't actually- be... <laughs> As we were saying earlier, right, right, <laughs> can't right. sing in that voice if you yeah. haven't had that experience. Oh, Are you talking about the, the John Anderson voice, yeah. like the volume pedal voice? <laughs> the volume pedal voice. You can you can no, put it in your in that. the um, put it in the song list at the beginning of the of the show. Right, right, the right, pre-show right, music. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So but yeah, so it looks like October 29th through November third. That's right. Yeah, cool. we'll be in Florida. But other than that. We don't really have much happening this year. We'll be playing in Little Rock, I think, on the 7th or 8th of December or something like that. Yeah, I, th- I don't know, man. I think that's pretty much all we got going on. We're working on a new record, so cool. we'll be doing nice. that. But that'll be a while till it sees the light of day or mm-hmm. anything like that. Next year, you think, or possibly after? God willing, and the creeks don't rise. Next year, yeah, we'll see. Got you. Well... I mean, the last record was only a couple years ago. Youth Detention, check that out. And the live record was last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, last year. So. so check that out. Listen to him. Yeah. Go see him when he's in town. <laughs> Be on tour, I'm sure, more next year. Yep. Yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. cool. Always. For sure. Very good. Well, thanks for joining us, y'all. Have a good one. And, and thanks to Bo for being our special yeah, guest and various backing Bo. noises, if you noticed. And made it to this point. She's going to get banned <laughs> from the podcast. <laughs> See right. y'all later. Bye, y'all. See y'all. Bye, Mom. Bye, Mom. <laughs> That's awesome. Sing it. Song, song of the South. Sweet potato pie and I shut my mouth.